This episode is brought to you by Traveling Psychology Girl, where we declutter and organize your mind, home, and office. Traveling Psychology Girl is built on biblical principles, and it's more than just having decluttered closets and organized cupboards. Decluttering and organizing should be a state of being in one's everyday life, and Traveling Psychology Girl is here to help you make it happen. The services we offer is decluttering, organizing, homestead startup, gardening, DIY projects, scheduling, tutoring, dance and theater arts consultant, as well as giving you godly wisdom and counsel. Visit www.travelingpsychologygirl.com for more details. Welcome back to Encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. And the backyard it is, is where I heard the sound of the next animal that I'm going to talk about on the podcast today. A few weeks ago, I was collecting eggs when I heard this sound coming from one of my neighbor's house. And it was the sound of a horse. And I thought to myself, (laughs) this cannot be happening. Because this particular neighbor's house where I heard the horse, they have a very small backyard. And so um, I was a little bit shocked to hear the sound of a horse in their backyard. There's like totally no space for a horse, not even a pony in their yard. uh, Because there is a house that sits on several acres of land right behind this house. So, um, I was like, okay, first a goat, if you listen to last week's podcast, and now a horse. So, I am officially in the country. But, I happen to love horses, and um, there's a few things that I think everyone should experience or should do in life. And one is, I think that everybody, whether they travel a lot or not, should go to the beach at least one time. Now, there's several of us, we go to the beach all the time. You know, there's people that live right on the beach, but, you know, there are people that never see the beach and there's people that um, they don't go anywhere really. And I think that the beach is one place where everyone should go at least once. It's just so beautiful. It's calm. It's peaceful. Um being on the water like that I just think that everyone should have that experience and then unless they are very fearful of the water then that may be a terrifying experience for them but I think that that's one place that people should at least go at least once the next thing that I think people should do is travel to New York I think you should go to New York at least one time in your life okay There are people, of course, that live in New York. There are people that travel there all the time. I have a friend that goes to New York and L.A. for work all the time. But, of course, there's people that don't travel much. There's people that don't travel at all. And there's people that travel, but they've never been to New York. And I think that New York is quite interesting place. And um, it's a sight to see if you are Southern (laughs) and you spend your life in the South. I think that people should at least go to New York one time and the third thing I think people should do everyone should get to do at least once is ride a horse 
when I lived in Oklahoma, me and my kids, we would go horseback riding quite a bit. And it is just an experience that I think everyone should try at least once. So if there is something that you think that people should try at least once, why don't you head over and DM me on Instagram at Encouragement from Kristen. Otherwise, I'm going to talk about this horse. So there are some things about horses you may not know. And so I have quite a bit I want to cover today. So I'm going to get right in. Horses are mammals with hooves. They also have long tails. And this is coming from LiveScience.com, one of my favorite websites. But they also have long tails, short hair, muscular torsos, long thick necks, and elongated heads. Most of them are domesticated, so they're found all over the world. Horses lived on the earth for more than 50 million years, according to the the American Museum of Natural History. According to Scientific American, the first horses originated in North America and then spread it to Asia and Europe. The horses left in North America became extinct about 10,000 years ago and were reintroduced by colonizing Europeans. Um, horses are found in almost every country in the world and on every continent except for Antarctica. Just in case you didn't know that. Horses are very social animals. They live in groups which are called herds. And the wild horses will live in herds that consist of 3 to 20 animals and are led by a mature male, which is called a stallion. And this is according to National Geographic. And I actually watched a National Geographic documentary that was done on horses. And it is quite um, educational and interesting. I mean, I, I was really, I really enjoyed it. So um, I think I've seen it on Netflix. So you might want to try swinging over there if you're interested and check it out. Horses are herbivores. They only eat vegetation typically grass um let's see horses live uh have live births after around 11 months of gestation some people mistakenly call babe uh call baby horses ponies actually horse offspring are called uh foils i may be saying that right files i'm not really sure how to pronounce this but ponies are adult horses that um, are shorter than 56 inches. Uh, probably want to get a pony before getting a horse if it's your first time. So, um, I absolutely love horses. And, um, there's, there, uh, there is a particular, uh, study that we, you know, I'm a psychology major and, um, there's a particular study that we learned about in school and, uh, it's on a horse called Clever Hans. And uh, I want to read you a little bit about this summary with this uh, psychologist and this particular horse. So this is coming from futurelearn.com. Clever Hans cueing the observer effect. So if you are a psychology student or you've taken, I don't know that they would have taught this in intro to psych, but um, at least if you're a psychology student or you're a nerd like me, maybe you have you're familiar with this story. 
but Hans seemed to have the math skills of a 14 year old. Um, nah, I'm not gonna even read that because that gives it away. So I'm gonna go right in. So, um, von Osteen, a German high school mathematics t- uh, instructor, thought people dramatically underestimated the intelligence and read and reasoning skills of animals. A man of science, he set out to test his hypothesis by teaching mathematics to a horse called Hans. Hans quickly showed real aptitude. Soon he could read a number of written on board and tap uh let me read that again soon he could read a number written on a board and tap his hoof with the correct number of times von Osteen moved from reading and counting to basic arithmetic and again hans mastered the new task learning how to correctly answer a variety of math problems including basic square roots and fractions from 1891 von Osteen toured Germany showing Hans skill before large crowds okay in this case I'm not very good at math so Hans could have taken all of my math exams for me but moving on von Osteen also demonstrated that Hans could answer simple questions in German having learned to tap once for a twice for B and so on and that he could also tap out that time Though he made occasional mistakes, the horse was right almost 90% of the time. By some accounts, he had the mathematical skills of an average 14-year-old. When doubts were raised, von Osteen happily agreed to allow Germany's Board of Education to conduct an independent investigation. In 1904, after extensive testing, the Hans Commission, which included two zoologists, a psychologist, a horse trainer, several school teachers and a circus manager concluded that no trickery was involved so far as they could tell the horse talents were genuine the commission then passed the investigation to a young psychologist oscar funst Funst designed a careful set of experiments and began testing Hans. He soon noticed that Hans performed well when questioned under his normal conditions, but the horse's accuracy dropped when the questionnaire stood further away than normal. And if the questionnaire didn't know the answer to the question or was concealed from him, Hans accurately plummeted to nearly zero. Funst hypothesized that Hunt's cleverness relied on him having a close, unobscured view of a person who knew the correct answer. With that in mind, Funst began watching the questions and he noticed that as Hans tapped his hoof in response to a question, their breathing posture and expression showed subtle signs of increasing tension, tension which disappeared when Hans made the correct tap. Without realizing they were doing so, Fonts concluded the questionnaires were giving Hans a cue when to stop tapping. All right, so Fonts had discovered unconscious cueing, the influence of researchers' sub- subtle and unintentional signals on their subject. Or subjects and it is now recognized a, as widespread in research involving human subjects as well as animals unconscious cues introduce a form of bias to experience uh, into experiments leading subjects to give answers that seem right 
to the researchers. Blinding the double blinding trials are one response. In a blind drug trial of a new drug, for instance, one group of participants received the drug while a second group received a placebo. Okay, Participants do not know <clears throat> which group they are in. Still, the doctor administering the drug may give some subtle, subtle, unconscious cue about the drug the patient is getting. Perhaps they check the reactions of participants in the active group just a little more carefully or more readily to attribute those of participants in the inactive group to something other than the drug. Double-blind experiments in which neither researcher or participant knows which group a participant is in also keep the researcher in the dark, preventing them from unconscious cues. So clever Hans was not that clever at all. <laughs> so very interesting study, uh, hilarious, and uh, something to think about. Also, when thinking about a horse, this is going to date me so bad. But when I was growing up, I used to watch a show called Mr. Ed. Haha, -ha. it was a show about a talking horse. And I loved it. I used to watch it when I was little. And the show was in black and white. Just to tell you how long ago it was. It was in black and white. And I watched it. And it was funny. So if you have never heard of Mr. Ed, go and Google it and it will pop right up. So on that note, I am going to dig into scripture and talk about horses. And I'm going to give you a little bit more research into the particular topic of the horse that I'm going to talk about. Connecting it to a biblical principle, that is. So I will be back after this message. Welcome back and today's scripture is going to come from James chapter 3 coming from the easy to read version. My brothers and sisters, not many of you should be teachers. I say this because as you know, we who teach will be judged more strictly than others. We all make many mistakes. A person who never said anything wrong would be perfect. Someone like that would be able to control their whole body too. Take note, verse 3. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. With these bits, we can control their whole body. So again, we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. With these bits, we can control their whole body. Well, you might say, well, what is a bit? A bit, as the scripture says, is something that goes in the horse's mouth. So when you get a horse and you have to train a horse, in order to get that horse to do what you want it to do, you have to purchase a bit and put it in the horse's mouth. It's very uh, complicated for me to kind of explain what this bit looks like. In Wikipedia, it says bit mouthpieces may be single jointed, double jointed. It's a, a mullen, a straight bar, or have an arched uh, port in the center of varying height with or without joints. Some have rollers, rings, or small keys that the horse can move with its tongue. It's a piece that goes 
in the mouth of a horse and it wraps around their back. Well, what is the purpose of a horse bit? So I'm going to talk about this from Horse Facts Book or HorseFactBook.com. So HorseFactBook.com. Contrary to popular belief, the bit isn't designed to actually control the horse. It is, in the simplest of terms, designed to communicate the rider's wishes to the horse. The idea is that the bit allows or applies subtle pressure to the bars of the mouth, which are made of sensitive cartilage. The horse is responsive to any movement or pressure on these bars, on those bars, and instinctively moves away from it, which means that they actually move in the direction the rider wants them to. The bit works with the reins uh, to apply this pressure, but in the case of curb bits, it can also work with the brittle to, ex um, to, ex to exert additional pressure on various parts of the horse's head, such as the cheeks, chin, and nose. This additional pressure can either be used to back up that created uh, to can either be used to back up that created by the bit or instead of it. So it goes in the, the horse's mouth and when you pull on it a certain direction, you get the horse to go in that direction. So that's the gist of it. So the horse responsive to the any movement or pressure uh, on those bars and instinctively moves away from it, which means that they are actually moving in the direction the rider wants them to go. So now that you know what a bit is, let's go back to the scripture. Verse 3, we put bits into the horse's mouth or the mouth of horses to make them obey us. With these bits, we can control their whole body. You're controlling it because you're getting them to go in the direction that you want them to. So they're not going to just do what you want them to do. You're making them. You can turn the entire body around. Verse 4, it is the same with ships. A ship is very big. And it is pushed by strong winds. But a very small rubber controls that big ship. And the one who controls the rubber, I'm sorry, I said rubber, rudder. The one, so let me go back. Verse 4, it is the same with ships. A ship is very big and it is pushed by strong winds, but a very small rudder controls that big ship. And the one who controls the rudder decides where the ship will go. It goes where he wants it to go. Verse 5, it is the same with our tongue. It is a small part of the body, but it can boast about doing great things. A big forest fire can be started with only a little flame. The tongue is like that fire. It is a world of evil among the parts of the body, of our body. It spreads its evil through our whole body and starts a fire that influences all of life. It gets this fire from hell. Verse 7, humans have control over every kind of wild animal uh, bird reptile and fish and they have control all these things they have controlled all these things but no one but no one 
can control the tongue. This little bitty thing in your mouth. No one can control it. It is wild and evil. Full of deadly poison. Wow. Hmm. You just have to stop right there. Verse 9, we use our tongues to praise our Lord and Father, but then we curse people who, who were created in God's likeness. These praises and curses come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, this should not happen. Do good water and bad water flow from the same spring? Of course not. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree make olives or can a grapevine make figs? No. And and well full and a well full of salty water cannot give good water. Now here is the true wisdom in verse 13. Are there any among you who are really wise and understanding? Then you should show your wisdom by living right. You should do what is good with humility. A wise person does not boast. If you are selfish and have bitter jealousy in your hearts, you have no reason to boast. Your boasting is a lie that hides the truth. That kind of wisdom does not come from God. That wisdom comes from the world. Hmm. It is not spiritual. It is a form of the devil. It is from the devil. I'm sorry. Verse 16. Where there is jealousy and selfishness, there will be confusion of every kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from God is like this. First, it is pure. It is also peaceful, gentle, and easy to please. This wisdom is always ready to help people who have trouble and to do good for others. This wisdom is always fair and honest. People who work for peace in a peaceful way. So people who work for peace in a peaceful way get the blessings that come from right living. That was a mouthful. But... We have to have the bit in our mouth, right? We, we have it in our mouth. We have to learn how to control it. And the tongue, we cannot control. We just simply cannot. And so, the bit I would like for you to think of as the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to control our mouth, The Bible just said that we control all things. My uh, family and I, we have been watching this series on Hulu and it is old. It's old, but um, I don't even think there is any new episodes. It released in 2014, but it's called Snake King and not Snake King, but uh, Snake City. And it's this couple in Africa that goes and they extract all of these venomous snakes. Now, I get snakes in my yard, mostly rat snakes. I did uh, kill a copperhead recently. It was a baby copperhead. Uh, I don't know where this daggone copperhead came from. Because I typically don't have poisonous snakes in my yard. Uh, It wasn't in my backyard. It was actually kind of on the side of my house. Again, I don't know where it came from. 
But the rat snakes, they typically come from one direction, which is kind of weird. They don't come from where I would think they would want to come from because it's like nothing but the woods back there. But they tend to come actually from my neighbor's house where the horse was is, is where they're coming from. I'm not saying that they're coming from their actual house, but um, they're coming from that side. They're always coming from that side of the um as far as direction, they're coming from that side of the yard. And I do know that uh, there is a stream on the other side of my neighbor's house. It's actually a, so it's actually uh, their house. And then there's like um, a, a street and then there's another neighborhood. And right at that neighborhood is a, a stream. And um, I sometimes I used to walk my dog. Uh, Ariel, this is before I got Aurora down that street, and I saw a rat snake um, over there. And um, I stopped walking over there because it's really just it's just not safe. Uh, it's really not having anything to do with the stream, but just the way the street is designed, it's not a safe street to walk your dog. So I, I walk them somewhere else now. But but saying all of that to say there is a stream, so the the snakes could very well be coming from that direction. But I typically don't get poisonous snakes so I was a little shocked to see this little baby copperhead um on the side of my house um but um and I didn't even know I killed it I actually ran over it um <laughs> so um I I definitely would have killed it but um because we can kill poisonous snakes um you know because it's threatening my area um I usually typically like to you know see if a snake is going to go on by this business away from the house I don't have to kill it um, but I do not kill the rat snakes, um, so we're not supposed to, um, but one recently, uh, ate all my eggs in my chicken coop and I did have to get him out of there and kind of, you know, teach him a little lesson. Don't come up in here, boo. No, no, no. I don't do snakes. I don't, I, I don't fool with snakes like that. So when I see a snake, really, I just, I personally don't like them. Um, I know that they're good for the environment in certain ways, but I personally don't do snakes. And so um, if I see one, I, I want it to go away from my property. Um, you can take a couple of rats with you when you go, if it's some out there, but go on by. Because I have children, um, I have, you know, their friends come over, and I have animals. So I don't, I don't want you, when you in my space and you in my coop and you eat my eggs, we got a problem. So I don't fool with that. But if they're in the yard and they're passing on by, I don't, you know, I just let them pass on by. But uh, Mr. Copperhead, no, no, no. He wouldn't have been able to stay. So, uh, but anyways, um, the point of the matter is it probably came somewhere from this stream. And they're coming from that area. But we have control over those things. And on this show this couple they go out and they extract and most of the time they're dealing with black mambas and um uh what is it uh, not rat well i don't know if i haven't seen a rattlesnake on there yet um mostly black mambas there is a green uh poisonous snake i can't remember i can't remember it's like a beautiful green color too but i can't remember the uh name of the snake uh, in Africa, that's that that snake that's poisonous. It's like all snakes in Africa to me are poisonous. I don't care if they not if you say they not they poisonous. Um, 
here in the U.S., you can kind of tell the difference between a venomous snake. Venomous snake usually has uh, the reptile slit eyes or a pointed head. Uh, but in Africa, that's not the case. You have um, a cobra. That's what I was trying to say, a cobra. You have the cobras. They don't have no slit in their eye. The black mamba don't have no slit in their eye. It's a round eye, okay? Um, so to me... All snakes in Africa is poisonous. That's how I'm going to look at it. If I'm in Africa, every snake I see is poisonous. It's just like with spiders. Most of the time, if I see a spider, I know the majority of the time the spider is not venomous. But if I think that you are, then then I'm not going to let you hang out. If Depending on what you look like, I'm not going to let you hang out. I don't know what you are. You poisonous. So i think in some cases it's kind of safe to think like that just like scorpions you see a scorpion you may all scorpions are (laughs) venomous they're not and there is a way to tell if the tail is thick and fat you got a poisonous uh scorpion um and usually that thick and fat then the the pinchers are um skinny so um but if you have a scorpion where the pinchers are really really big but they have the skinny tail um, it's not poisonous and those pinchers are kind of intimidating you look at the pinchers and you're thinking oh gosh this must be a venomous scorpion but it's not the thicker the the thick fat tail lets you know if the that's where the venom is and that lets you know that the um, scorpion is poisonous but um these people they go out and they they risk their lives but they're trying to save the snake and they're trying to save the families and people that these snakes kind of get in their yards and they get you know one particular snake it had eaten this man this man had a bunch of pigeons out not pigeons but um parrots out in a cage and they were getting in there eating his birds and i'm thinking why in the world do you got (laughs) all of these birds in cages in your backyard and you don't think a snake is coming that's like a setup you know because like snakes ain't really coming for chickens they coming for the eggs here in georgia but like you in africa like they finna get everything you got they finna eat your cats your your small pets so but it's just really interesting what they do so saying all of that to say we have control right we are in authority over all of the reptiles over all of the animals Even the animals that could potentially harm or eat us, like we could possibly control them. Like that's why you have alligator people that go after alligators or, you know, people that hunt down elephants, which you should not be hunting down an elephant. Just saying you shouldn't you leave them alone. But we have control like we are in authority. When God put Adam on this earth, he put Adam over every animal, every creeping thing. So we have authority over that. But with all of that authority that we have, we have no authority over our tongue, right? We cannot control our tongue. We have to, you know, take the consequences and repercussions for what we say, but we have no control over our tongue. So we have to take those thoughts like before it even come out our mouth. It's so important to take every high thought captive. I, you know, I I make mistakes. All y'all make mistakes. We, this mouth can get out of control. So sometimes you got to take the bit. (laughs) Lord, be the bit. Before I open my mouth to say something, be the bit. It happened to me just this morning. I was driving 
my kids to school and um, I realized because my husband's been taking them to school so with the days I have to take them which is very few it just I kind of get thrown off and you know they don't go to school right in our neighborhood they go kind of far out and so I'm driving them to school and I realize oh I should be over to the left because I'm supposed to be turning down this street. So I'm asking this lady, can I get over in front of her? And there's really enough space, not enough space, but there's a big, a pretty large gap for me to get over. But I have a minivan. So it ain't like if I had a smart car, I could have just, you know, got right there. But I don't have a smart car. So she's looking right at me but she got well she has sun she has sunglasses on so it appears that she's looking at me but she has her mouth tightly closed she ain't saying nothing. like it looked like she was thinking to herself mm-hmm, i see you but you ain't getting over here she may not have but it appeared that way so i'm looking at her i'm waving at her i'm getting her attention i'm i'm making sure that everything i do she can see me like I'm I'm making myself big like I'm waving. I got my window down. There was no reason for her not to see me. Like her if even if she was looking straight ahead and she was daydreaming her peripheral, she could see I was way I'm t- look, I was doing everything trying to get her attention. She had this straight face and I and I almost all I had to catch myself because I was about to be like this heifer. <laughs> But I had to control, I had to take that thought. As soon as the thought entered my mind, I said, no, I'm not going to call this woman a helper. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to call her a helper. She might be acting like one, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Whether she see me, whether she was so dazed and daydream or whatever, she just simply wasn't paying attention or whether she was deliberately being Um, mean whether she was being racist she was of another uh, skin color doesn't mean that she was I'm not saying that but you know there are situations where and especially in that particular area that people can be racist toward blacks we get it all the time it's just a part of our culture we just it just is it's a real thing it's out there and it just is I'm not saying that she was but it, it I'm saying that it could have been that situation whatever it was I didn't get over so I had to go around and turn around but I remember thinking you know after I caught myself I was just so thankful like thank you Lord for helping me because I don't want to I don't want to do things that's gonna cost me my rewards so Lord correct me Get me on track. So I had to catch myself because I was about to call this woman a helper so I had to catch myself And that's what we have to do. We have to take those thoughts captive so that we don't say something that we regret. And we don't know. We're not always successful with that because we're human. We're flesh. We have to work on this thing every day. All of us. It don't matter if you in ministry. It don't matter if you the pastor, the first lady, the president. Okay. You have to take those things captive because our mouth is full of evil. It is from the devil. It is it can we can say some things that just cause destruction in somebody's life. And we don't want to do that.
So we can we have control over many things, but we cannot control the tongue. So we have to ask the Lord to come and help us be the bit that goes in our mouth. So he as the controller, as the writer can turn us where we need to go. Turn the whole body. Be the rudder. If we are the ship, Lord, be the rudder so that you can control where we go. You can control what we say. You can even control what we think and how we think and how we process. Think about what we're thinking, okay? You heard that term? Think about what you're thinking. Think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. Quick, don't be quick to be angry. Don't be quick. Be slow to speak. Slow down. Slow down. And the only way that we can do that successfully is we have to ask the Lord to be the rudder and to be the bit in our lives. We have to. We have to. Our tongue is out of control. It's this little thing that's a part of our body, but we can't control it. We can control our arms. We can control our legs. We can't control our mouth. So we have to ask the Lord, please, Jesus, be the bit in our mouth. Be the rudder of our ship. Thank you so much for listening to Encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you connect with me. I want to connect with you on uh, Encouragement from Kristen on Instagram. And that's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N. Please come by and visit me um, on the page and send me a DM. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Let me know the things that you had to control today with your mouth. How you, how you had to control your tongue today. Let's connect. Otherwise, I shall be with you next time. God bless. Hi, this is Kristen. And thank you so much for listening to Encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. You know, the Bible says in John 3.16... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, maybe after listening to the podcast, if you are not saved, you're thinking, I would love to give my life to Christ. If so, all you have to do is confess your sins to him, ask him to forgive you, and he will, and then say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know what? It is done. You are saved. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and want to follow me on social media, I am at three different places on Instagram. You can follow me at KB Simple Life, Encouragement from Kristen, or my business page, Traveling Psychology Girl. Thank you so much for listening and supporting what I'm doing here. God bless you. God bless you. And I will be with you next time.